Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment in which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems, which challenge all of us, are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. This is Mike Roth. Ryan Bielhauer here at, today at Cincinnati uh, Business Talk Radio, and thanks, Scott. Before we start, I'd like to tell everyone who our guests are that are coming up next week. Uh, next week, we have the president and CEO of Thinkvine, a ROI marketing company that helps client companies figure out what the ROI is on their marketing dollars. Mark will be an extremely interesting guest. On uh, Friday next week, we have a fellow named Peter Wenzel uh, from General Data Company, Inc. And they are a maker of labels for barcoding, barcoding equipment, and even asset management, uh, accounting, and software. A... uh, extremely sophisticated company here in the Cincinnati area. Uh, following week, we have uh, Matt Dieter, who is a health insurance uh, agency owner. He's got over 20 years of experience in the health insurance agency uh, business, and Matt will be sharing with us some ideas as business owners and uh, marketing and sales professionals, what we should be thinking about uh, with the healthcare uh, legislation coming through. Maybe some of the, the tips that will give us will help us save money in the current time frame. And on the 11th of May, that's two weeks from today, we'll have Erlen Russell. Erlen is the uh, Vice President of Sales for a company called Tigerstop. Uh, they make manufacturing equipment for cutting off uh, wood aluminum plastic products to get the right length parts in an extremely efficient fashion. And he's going to be talking about uh, a little bit about Tiger Scott's top, a little bit about how Sandler's helped him, and what he sees in the economy because he travels all over the eastern United States. Following week, we're going to be uh, talking to Matt Mountain, who is a IT professional. His company, uh, NextGen, handles migrations both to and from Salesforce.com. And he's going to be talking about uh, various aspects of CRM. And uh, the last guest I'll talk about is uh, Jody Schmidt-Gosseling. She is the Eastern President of Possible Worldwide, one of the country's largest advertising agencies. Uh, Brian? 
before we get down to uh, some more of the nitty gritty, uh, why don't you tell the folks uh, a little bit about what you do? Thank you, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Brian Bielhauer, I am the chief executive of Decal Impressions, a graphic screen print and wide format digitally, uh, digital imaging company here in the Cincinnati area. Company founded in 1969, and I had the privilege of taking the helm in 2001. We provide graphic services for companies throughout the region in the United States, from transit applications, retail point-of-purchase displays, as well as other small and medium-sized marketing campaigns for the small to medium-sized business. So is, is, it, is your business mainly uh, signs and decals, or do you do any other kind of printing? We do printing using what I tell our clients is we print on everything but paper. Generally speaking, our products are large. Uh, they go into retail applications, but not your traditional business card. It's more of what we call the graphic arts industry. Okay, so something like printing on a refrigerator magnet? Would that be refrigerator magnets, vehicle magnets, transit advertising, vehicle wraps, car wraps, this stage of the game, people are asking us to wrap virtually everything. Today, we looked at a 1959 Cushman uh, service cart that's used to sell ice, shaved ice, and they wanted to wrap the whole thing. So literally, you never know what someone can utilize to market their business. And we provide solutions for people who think out of the box, i.e. a 1959 Cushman three-wheeled scooter. Don't see a lot of those pull into the uh, into the office these days. No, and, and you have a facility that actually can can wrap a vehicle up on the inside so you don't have to wait for the weather? Correct, correct. We have a 22,000-square-foot plant in the west end of Cincinnati. gives us great flexibility. We can store vehicles as large as buses, which is a real edge for a company of our size being able to take in and store such large vehicles. gives our clients a real sense of comfort when you deliver a $100,000 trailer with thousands of dollars worth of technology inside of it. They want to know that it's safe and secure and, and provided for while it's receiving its exterior finishes. So something like a city bus could fit inside your production warehouse. City bus, school bus, trailer, like you'd see at uh, races, things of that nature. So what is the uh, strangest vehicle that you've, that you've wrapped, Ryan? I think the strangest vehicle that we've wrapped uh, wasn't strange for its body type, but for its propulsion method, which was uh, a vehicle that our company purchased, which is a pure electric pickup truck. So that's probably the strangest vehicle. Uh, popping the hood, not seeing the motor in it, was a chuckle for our installers. Oh, because the motors are at oh, the wheels. Correct. They're, they're much smaller. They're still in the engine bay, but essentially you have a large void and a very small electric motor, which provides propulsion in comparison to an internal combustion engine. Okay, maybe we'll get back to uh, your passion for electric vehicles a little bit later. Outstanding. Why don't you tell the folks uh, how it, what you what you did in, to before you bought? Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a, a lifelong Cincinnatian, uh, born and raised in the north part of the city in, in Madeira. Graduate of the Madeira High School, went to the Ohio State University. Spent uh, four of the finest years of my life there, learning from world-class professors, but I always knew my, my future was going to be in using my oratory skills to close deals. Uh, when I graduated, I found myself in sales. Uh, I was in the telecommunication in industry, 
After about nine months learning the ropes and that, I, a client of mine said, look, I can't really understand why you're selling telecommunication. I've got a friend. He's got a graphic arts business. I think your knowledge and your skill set would be conducive to that, and I'd like to make an introduction. I thought, I'd like to like to make that introduction. So I changed a career path, went into the graphic art industry, and that uh, led to my second career, which was becoming an entrepreneur. I originally took the position in the graphic arts industry. The owner at the time was confident that uh, his career was winding down, looking for somebody to sell the business to. Decided he wasn't quite ready. Our timelines didn't line up, so it took us about 10 years to come back around, but we did finally get the acquisition complete. In the interim, I found uh, a company that my family had some familiarity with, which was Decal Impressions. They'd run into uh, some challenging times, and it was a great opportunity for me to take over an operation that needed some help, needed some enthusiasm. And in 2001, uh, towards the end of the year, I acquired the assets of Decal Impressions, and that company had been located in Over the Rhine since 1985. In late 2001, there were serious challenges in that neighborhood, but we felt that the best option for us as a business was to stay the course and continue to work out of our facility led to uh, us moving here in the last two years to a much larger facility just in the West End. Okay. And uh, I was just curious, Brian, which uh, telecommunications company did you spend time at? I was – Mike, that's an excellent question. You talk about the show Stumper. The company was – we sold AirTouch Cellular at the time. We also sold paging services, and for – I'm sure many of your listeners, they're thinking, is he talking about a pager? It's kind of like the 8-track, gone the way of the dodo. Yeah, yeah. a lot of companies have. A lot of companies have. Now, Decal Impression has how many employees today? We have nine employees. Started with zero, now we have nine. You had to have at least one when you bought in. Well, there were three when I started investigating the company. By the time I arrived, enough of their paychecks had bounced that uh, we actually started at zero and started calling them back and asking them if they'd like to get a paycheck. And we did have one return on the hope that the young new owner would have a chance of making the next paycheck, which we did and haven't missed one since. So we started out with one. The second decision I made as an entrepreneur was to uh, seek some assistance from some people that uh, I've known. I hired... uh, uh, a, a lady who has been in my life for quite a long time. Uh, she was our nanny when I was a kid. I said, I really need somebody I can trust, somebody that can help me. And uh, she's my longest, you know, there's a competition in the office who's the longest standing employee. But uh, we've now grown to a team of nine, uh, nine dedicated folks that serve in the gulag every day. Uh, in the gulag? That's the affectionate name our personnel have for decal impressions. Oh, okay. You're not the guy who I heard referred to his company as the Salt Mine. Salt Mine, Gulag, okay. Stalag 17. Those are, when we, in our suggestion box, when they say, what should we call the factory, those were the top vote getters. The top vote getters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that's because it's such a wonderful place to work, Mike. We offer a lot of benefits, but we work hard. We provide a service to a vast swath of customers that require instantaneous service. In our business, a lot of times a marketing executive decides on Wednesday at 5 o'clock that they need to have in-store promotion on Friday. And that gives us a very reasonable, uh, reasonably quick time to take their vision on Wednesday afternoon, 
tie it down, produce it on Thursday, pack it up in a box, and ship it out to 25 locations for a Friday morning preview. So it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. I tell you, you really do uh, do good work. Uh, about a week ago, I needed a trade show banner for a trade show at the last minute, and I think we got it in two days, well in advance of when we had to hang it up. <laughs> and Mike... Mike gave us two days. It was like a luxury. We we hardly knew what to do with all the time. Well, thank you, Brian. We're going to take well, a short you. break here, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. I think what we'll do is we'll listen to uh, an early David Sandler recording, probably about 1984. My other goal, but this started back in 67, but I just reinforced it in 1984. I wanted to be with with a group of people like you entrepreneurs, accidents, wanted to make money, wanted to make a contribution, wanted to help other people. You know, they said that couldn't be done. You're living proof that that could be done sitting right in this room. You give yourselves a big hand. I wanted to be in a in a, with an organization that really made a contribution to people. We were cleaning out our closets the other day, and we I took down the Tony Robbins $179.50 course that we've never taken the cellophane off of. And Tony Robbins has a $10 million a month budget and a helicopter. But I don't think that helps a lot of people. And so what I found out when I was selling these boxes for that Texas group was that I wanted to service people. I wanted people to get, a, take, to get advantage of what they were buying. And so I said to them, after I started to figure this thing out after two or three years, I said, you know, let me give you the box of tapes free. And what I'm really going to sell you is why don't you come and visit me at the Holiday Inn? It had to be this one. Why don't you come and visit me at the Holiday Inn every other Thursday night for the next year. And let me make sure you're using what I sold you. And they did. And we used to have 250 people up the road here at the Marriott. This place, place couldn't handle it. We used to have 250 people every other Thursday night show up for training. And they brought 25 to 30 of their friends. And 90% of those people joined the President's Club. So you're living proof that this business can can be multiplied. No question about that. Well, we're back with uh, Brian Bielhauser. And uh, if Brian has agreed to take some calls, so if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Brian directly, our number that's live during the show is area code 646-595-5555. One six. Brian, I, I had a question I wanted to ask you. Uh, maybe you can tell the, the folks how you've gone, gone to market to build your company. Because you started with, as you said, zero employees. My start really came from getting engaged with our community, both right around our shop, as well as getting involved in uh, Business Networking International. That gave me great exposure to folks that not only had the opportunity to be customers, but also, to some extent, mentors. 
I was very green and young when I first took over this position. And fortunately for me, that experience helped helped me garner good information, learn how to engage clients, how to interact with clients in a professional manner. And from there, really, we started providing service and quality that generated business for us. People were amazed at our ability to turn product around, the professionalism of our staff, the fact that if a client called seeking to speak with me and I was not available, my staff did everything possible to accommodate them or assist them. And that really was somewhat surprising to some of the previous customers of the organization and really helped us develop new inroads, not only into their business, providing more services that they weren't aware of at the time, as well as being referred to colleagues and associates. So I would characterize interaction and involvement as two key factors. Uh, the second, uh, during early 2002, our, our neighborhood was experiencing huge growth, huge uh, civic desire to turn things around, and we became very involved in a organization called the Over the Rhine Brewery District Urban Redevelopment Corporation, which gave us tremendous opportunity to engage other businesses in our very close area, and that that was very, very, very successful. So that's interesting. You were involved in the Over the Rhine Brewery District. Brewery District Urban Redevelopment Corporation, which has a goal. Uh, Cincinnati has a rich brewing history. It yeah. was very, very, very... Uh, very, very successful prior to Prohibition. And we have a lot of relics, a lot of buildings, a lot of history that this organization felt important to preserve a history and a legacy and give folks from outside of the Cincinnati area an opportunity to come and see the unbelievable architecture in our neighborhood. And that was something that, as, as graphic artists, as people in the marketing and print world, really took a, took a passion to, a shine to. It was amazing to look around in our neighborhood where you know, folks had an external perception of lack of safety, a lack of a quality environment, what we saw was tremendous history, fabulous buildings, space that let your imagination run wild. So it, it tied a lot of things together for us and I think it was very beneficial. So Greg Harvin's part of that organization. Yes, yes he is. And he's still growing beer in that neighborhood. Absolutely. Uh, took a, basically an abandoned potato chip factory turned it into a brewery, has just done tremendous things for our city, and as I'm sure you're aware, recently opened the Christian Moorline Lager House down on the river, which is a true testament to the resurrection of a tremendous Cincinnati brand. Yes, I've heard that there's a real shortage of over the right beer. Uh, there is, and I do my best to contribute to the shortage as often as possible. <laughs> That's good. So, uh, you're a member of a BNI chapter. I was for a number of years. Okay. Uh, I, I did... Finally, after about six or seven years, my role within the organization didn't enable me to continue on as the, the face person in, in a BNI level. Our business morphed from what we would consider to be a retail or dealing with the public to more account management, dealing with larger organizations, the telecommunication companies within the area, and, and large companies that used us as a resource to help their clients. So my, my role was changed, so I was forced to exit what was something something I enjoyed very much, but just wasn't, uh, the commitment of time needed to be shifted. Good. So you were the number one salesman in the company. Uh, do you have any other salespeople today? I have a tremendous saleswoman who is just outstanding. Her t 
talents and skills and communicating with our clients, uh, developing relationships, really building a trust because a lot of what we do isn't uh, – there's the finished product aspect of it, but there's a, a trust factor in, in what we do that is very difficult to build, and once you have it, you really have to be a steward of it. When you have a chief marketing officer that has a demand to have 200 packages go out on a Tuesday and be in-store on a Wednesday – so that the promotion can roll out on Thursday nationally, there is no second place. Those deliver or there's there's a serious challenge. And when you're developing those relationships, they have to have an extreme confidence that you're a, a doer of what you say. So it sounds like you're in a business where you might actually wind up with some overtime. Our, our folks are fond. That's why That might be why they call it the gulag. You never get to leave. But the dedication of our team is really what sets us apart. When the when the bell rings at five, our folks aren't already in the parking lot. They're not even thinking about the parking lot. They're thinking about have we met the obligations that we committed to our clients. And when you have that kind of teamwork, that kind of dedication, there's only one way you can go, and that's up. Businesses that grow generally have good employees. It's all about the people, bringing the right people in. It was interesting to say that you brought in your nanny. From when you were a little kid into your company, it was uh, it was amazing. I truly, truly a tremendous woman who has been there for me in my entire life. When I found myself in the deep end of the swimming pool in this business, I thought I really need somebody a that knows me, knows my style, knows how to control me uh, a little bit, somebody that can keep the reins on, and it's the greatest relationship in the world to me. I'm fortunate. I, I work with. We call it a family business all the time because we really are. We we live and die by each other's needs, and it's all about the team. There's there's no I in team. There's no I in decal. That's great. That's one of the things I teach uh, our sales salespeople that it's all about the prospect. It's not about I. It's about them. So what I heard you say is you have one account manager beyond yourself. That's correct, yes. Good. And, and that person is here in the Cincinnati Marketplace? That's correct, yes. Most of your business is here in the Cincinnati Marketplace? We're located here, but I would say at least 40% of our product is shipped outside of the tri-state area. We, The company's founding was founded in law enforcement graphic business. We had a national and still have a national distributor network of, for law enforcement, fire EMS, and military decals. So when I first took over the company in 2001, 80-90% of our business was outside of the tri-state area. And one of the areas where we've been able to grow so successfully is locally because we had no exposure in that area. So that would be like a decal for police uh, cruiser? Police cruiser. Sheriff's cruiser. Sheriff's cars. Uh, just talked to uh, the undersheriff of Sanders County, uh, Montana today. So it gives us – it's fabulous for me. It's fabulous for our team because we are we communicate with people that we wouldn't get a chance to, to see or know if it weren't for what we do for a living. So it really broadens our horizon. Are there only a small number of companies like yours that make decals? I would not say that. I would say our industry is fairly well saturated. It's, it's a mature business. Locally, there is tremendous competition because of some of the major brands we have here in town. Mm-hmm. So – we are coming to a maturing within our industry. A great many of the companies are in second-generation uh, ownership where the desire to move to a third is not as strong. 
We have a lot of businesses that are maturing and, and folks are looking for exit strategy, which has been excellent for us. It gives us an opportunity to acquire mature businesses, help uh, people with 20, 30 years in the business, exit the business, been fabulous for us. So have you actually done that and acquired someone else's business? I have. Uh, my first employer, a uh, tremendous mentor to me, uh, Bob McElroy, he was my, my first uh, manager and first business owner I worked for in the graphic arts industry. Spent a great year together, but it just wasn't a time to link up, and we stayed in communication. He was a client of mine. I was a client of his, and over 10 years, we continued to further our, our business relationship and friendship, and in late 2009, he decided that he had reached uh, the pinnacle of his career, was ready to move on, and just became a fabulous opportunity for us. A like organization, I still knew the people that worked in his business because they'd been there since I was there. Uh, some of the customers remembered me. Just a fabulous transition. So you acquired his business? Yes. Okay. In a couple of minutes before we uh, take another break, do you see any obstacles in the path of growth? or decal impressions right now? Mike, it's a challenging question. I think there's always obstacles, but there's always ways around them. So I think what obstacles exist, we are we have the tools and the team to overcome them. Specific challenges are technological right now. In the last 10 years, our industry has experienced unprecedented change. The mainstream use of the computer has had an unbelievable impact on how we do business. Ten years ago, when somebody needed product from us, we told them what they needed because they had no way to provide their own information. Mm -hmm. Today, everybody has a way to think they know what they're going to do and how they can provide it. So it's been very interesting, especially in the last three to five years. So technology is something that's allowed your company to grow? It's allowed it to grow. It's also allowed it to change, allowed it to move more nimbly, mm -hmm. uh, be faster on the draw for our clients. But it does provide days that make you think, I'd love to have an abacus and a paintbrush. An abacus and a paintbrush. I'm not sure even I'd go back to that. Well, let's take a, a short break here, and we'll be back in Brian in a couple of minutes. Let's listen to a uh, San Rule. Hi, this is Matthew Newberger with Sandler Training, and I'm here to share Sandler Rule Number 11, Money Does Grow on Trees. Now, if you were to think conceptually for a second, there are three main components to this. One is, is you have to grow your referral network so you don't start from scratch every time you want to develop a client. Two, you have to build branches onto your referral tree. And third, you have to water that tree to keep it healthy. So, the reality today is that it is really hard to start the sales process over and over again from scratch. And there really is a better way. Most of us know it, we just don't follow it. So if you can imagine for a second taking a piece of paper, drawing a vertical line down the center and putting a horizontal line at the bottom, this would be the base of your tree. Every time you add a client, you are adding a branch to that tree. Each branch can sprout more branches. This becomes your referral tree. Somebody who's a professional at what they do understands the simple concept that every time they add a customer, they ask that customer for a referral. 
And when they get that referral, the next thing they do is they make sure that they take that referral from cool to warm based on the relationship with their existing customer. They take that opportunity, they close that opportunity, they ask for another referral. They take that referral, build off the relationship with the client, and take that referral opportunity from cool to warm to hot. And it's actually something that's really great to see. You watch this tree blossom and you watch this salesperson blossom as well into a very mature professional salesperson. Remember, money does grow on trees. Referral trees. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. We're back with uh, Brian Dillhauser from Decal Impressions. If you want to call in and ask Brian a question, you can call 646-595-4916. Before I ask Brian another question, I thought I would uh, give some of uh, our listeners some some really great news. Sandler's new book, The Sandler Success Principles, has gone to number one on Amazon as of Tuesday morning this week. I think they sold over 12,000 books on the first day. Truly amazing. Truly amazing. This is the follow-up book to uh, The Sandler Rules, uh, and I'm going to be giving Brian a copy of the book to, uh, to keep. It's one of the first editions. If Thank you very much, Mike. If Thanks. you're interested in the book, we do have a few copies here at the training center, and uh, you can always pick them up at the uh, Amazon.com. Also, for you guys and ladies who are interested in sandal material, the the new release of the vintage sandal material from the 70s and 80s, the stuff that hasn't been available, has been put onto a DVD and MP3 format, and we have several sets of that available. Uh, this is some of the good old stuff. The uh, This Could Be Your Moment program, uh, a program in the psychology side of sandal, parent, adult, child, transactional analysis, two different boot camps, one of them whom was done here in Cincinnati for a extremely famous heating and air conditioning company. And then there's a special program for managers and owners, and it's called For Managers Ears Only. This program was cre- created as a shortcut so managers could learn the sales system in a shorter period of time than the, the salespeople. Now, back to Brian, and uh, I was going to ask you this question. You know, we've, we've gone through a, a difficult period in the marketplace. A lot of, a lot of companies have reported uh, some, uh, some downturns. 
during the little recession. Uh, just as a point of uh, information, did you ever have to lay anybody off? No, we've been extremely fortunate. Growth every year, even through these most recent downturns. That's good. So, what do you see as the opportunities and possibilities in the marketplace? A company like ours has a number of opportunities. They revolve around, in my estimation, our ability to produce, our ability to produce quickly, and our ability to be diverse in what we produce. So, I think from an opportunity perspective, diversification has really benefited us. Our ability to produce not just one item or one small segment within a market uh, marketing manager's budget, but to really be able to cover a multitude of bases for them so that they're closer to the single source supplier that gives them good pricing, good delivery, with excellent customer service. Uh, is the marketplace forcing uh, you with Decal Impressions, Brian, to add more and expensive equipment and software to your business? These are these are the challenges within our business. the The equipment is developing, being innovated at a breakneck pace, and that keeps us on our toes. It requires our level of commitment to be extreme. As a, as a business owner, reinvestment in your business is critical. In our business, it's what keeps us in business. Uh, Adobe likes to release new software as fast as most people like to get haircuts. So that keeps us on the cutting edge because we have to be able to manage our clients' files. We can't ask them to do extraordinary things to accommodate us. And when your clients are Fortune 500 companies whose budgets are more generous when it comes to technological advancement, it's difficult sometimes to stay with the pack, but it's what we do, it's what we have to do. I guess that's another reason you might need the 22,000 square feet. That's correct. We went, going from 6,500 to 22,000 our first day in the building, we all thought, golly, are we ever going to see each other again? Now, you can't see each other around all the things that we filled into it. So it's, it was a bit of a culture shock for us, but again, it lasted about 30 seconds and was more of a, a chuckle than anything because our people are so dedicated. They, like I likened it to taking a, a box, picking it up, shaking it up. There's a box full of things. You pick it up, you shake it around, and you set it back down and say, now go find the markers. You're looking around a room that's filled with 10,000 items. Where are the markers? You knew where the markers were yesterday. You knew where the cutting knives were yesterday. Today... You don't even know what floor they're on. They, you don't even know what room they're in. You don't even know if the boss actually made sure they got moved from the old factory to the new factory. So there was for a few moments of sheer terror. Yeah, we, when I moved to Cincinnati and started working with some of the printing companies and visited their uh, production shop. One of the things I discovered was that here in this production shop next to a digital printing press, the fellow had a press with movable height with the rollers that went up over a plate to put ink on, push the paper down onto the movable height. And I said to him, why do you have this antique still in the production department? And he said to me, Mike, I modified it so that it's now a die cut. In, in your world, do you get rid of the old equipment? No, we do not. Uh, we, we're... I call it my museum. 
we have uh, maintained a lot of the items that we have because they really represent some amazing innovations. We have a TRS-80 that we keep in our conference room as a constant reminder of uh, where the radio, the, the radio Shack computer with a 10-inch floppy drive that wouldn't have enough room on it to handle two or three emails. And into the privately owned paid telephone business, we use TRS 80s program to rate the on phones. There you have it. Back when you rented your phone from the phone company? Yeah. And a cell phone was the size of a brick and just as heavy. Exactly. Uh, okay. What do you think your customers or your future customers are looking for now in, in, in the form of digital printing or digital decals or digital? vehicle wraps? I think a couple of different things. Uh, our customers, some of them are looking for greener practices. They want to know that the producer of the products are environmentally responsible, that they're being responsible in a variety of ways, but environmentally. And I think a lot of our clients really want to see a responsibility to the team. Uh, we're in we're a smaller business, obviously, and our folks have interaction with a lot of high-level individuals. And I think that it it gives, I think, Mike, to say that when you've got uh, an hourly employee dealing with the chief marketing officer and there's a sense of respect, a mutual respect, I think people really like to, to see an empowered team. And I think that's one of the things that differentiates us. People are confident asking just about anybody in our facility a, a, a direct question, and either going to expect a direct answer or under uh, expect an answer that is clear and when they will get the answer they're looking for. There's never any drag, big company drag, as we call it. Mm -hmm. uh, how has your company reacted to the uh, proliferation of text messaging? We, I, yes, I forget, Mike, that we're on the radio, so my face for radio, you can't see my fabulous expressions, but I do chuckle. We responded to text messaging at first by gathering a box and putting everybody's phone in it and locking it in a locker uh, so that folks weren't tempted. But realistically, we're there to work. Um, I have asked our clients not to text. It's not a business form of communication. Now, we have email, we have FTP sites, we have a variety of different ways to communicate with our clients, but text messaging just isn't going to be how we're going to do business. There's not enough safety nets. If you know, When things are time critical, that is not a time critical communication solution. So we don't encourage it. Uh, though inner office communication occasionally is utilized when we're, we're having lunch, perhaps in the executive lunchroom at Decal Impressions, which is a lot like the one that GM used to have, except not quite as nice. We do have the moments of uh, texting across the table about why Ryan is eating pizza rolls and not offering to share with anyone. Ryan, if you're listening, I want a pizza roll when I get back. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what we've noticed uh, quite noticeably about texting is that the younger generation of people in business in their 20s communicate easily via texting and 
frankly, don't respond to some faults. I think that's a fair assessment. I think there's industries where that's probably more effective. I, I, I chuckle. Looking forward. Yeah. I, I think that our primary issue is since time is so critical, and we've all had that text message that you sent at 10 o'clock at the night from the ballpark telling uh, your lovely bride that you were going to be a couple hours later than you thought, and she doesn't actually get that text message till 1 o'clock, and you're already extremely late. We use that example as why we, we don't prefer to communicate with our clients that way, even though comfort's great and we encourage our team to be comfortable, we always ask them to focus on the client and what's most important and what's best for them beyond their personal comfort. And that's what teamwork's about, doing things that aren't necessarily comfortable for you but are going to benefit the team and the client. Okay, so teamwork is, is a key word in your organization. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's take a step at starting this one. You know, it's been one, one of my uh, precepts in, in management and building businesses that uh, you can solve some simple problems with simple solutions. Unfortunately, Many of us in business have discovered that the problems are becoming more complex. And so you need a complex problem to solve, a complex solution to solve a complex problem. Maybe, Brian, you can tell us about a complex problem that you see over, over there at Decal Impressions and go through the steps of a complex solution that you use to help grow your business that someone else might be able to. Mike, that's a that's the question of all questions. Complex problem, complex solution. I think one of our biggest complex problems that we faced in recent memory revolved around some vendor relationships that we had. Uh, when you're a small business that serves a lot of large clients, you are extraordinarily dependent on your vendor relationships. Your vendor's ability to deliver the product that you need is paramount to the success of an organization like ours. Our products are specialized. They come from all over the country and the world, and they need to be in Cincinnati when I need them. They don't need to be in Cincinnati two days after I need them. You don't carry $5 million worth of inventory of everything. What's ironic is how many times people say, you don't have that? The building's big, but it's not that big, and neither is the budget. Um, And in the past couple of years, we have had... uh, to really address some some vendor deficiencies. We've had tremendous relationships in in the last 11 years, but in a couple of occasions, we've had some vendors who were more seriously affected by the economic downturn than a company like ours, and they really struggled to keep pace with us. And it wasn't uh, an easy thing to just say, well, I'm going to change from A to B. There's a lot of factors beyond just what phone number you dial, what customer service representative or what sales representative you deal with. You've really worked relationships at the customer service level, at the uh, sales level, at the sales manager, even even the, the production manager. And Are you buying most of your uh, product that you bring in from the manufacturer or through distributors? We are in the situation where we're actually dealing with both, and that's what makes some of this complex for us because we are – growing at such a pace that we are developing direct relationships with the manufacturer because that's where we need to be. The distributors can't work with us based on our volume. And that's been challenging because when you go from being 
a distributor's number one client to a manufacturer's blip on the radar screen, uh, that can be hard. And when you're dealing with a company that has a number and a letter in their first name and you're not really anybody to them, uh, that can be hard, especially when you're depending on making things happen for your clients. So we find we find those those challenges to be complex, and it's required us to really create a multi-level sourcing system that our production manager has access to you know, several levels of approved vendors so they can find what they need, when and where they need it, in the timeline that they need it. And with our products being oversized, a lot of them coming in a variety, you know, a variety of different ways, whether it's a truck or through UPS or FedEx, we're affected tremendously by the rising cost of fuel. Fuel surcharges can be, it can take a, a tight profit margin and make it squeaking tight. So we're going to take a, a really short one-minute break here, and we're going to be right back with Brian. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back here with Brian Bielhauer of Decal Impressions. Brian, before I forget to do this, why don't you tell everyone who's listening how they can get a hold of you? Mike, thank you very much. Uh, we are best reached on the World Wide Web at www.decalimpressions.com. Do you have a local phone number that you, you let people call? We we would indeed. Uh, it's area code 513 if you're a Cincinnati uh, person listening. 721-3801. Let's ask a different kind of a question. You're doing a lot over the Internet. Most businesses are today. You have a strategy that has worked for you that you feel comfortable in sharing with our listeners and how to make the, the Internet a viable piece of their business? I have a strategy. I love to share it. I'm not going to vouch for it, but though I consider it to be extremely successful for us. So it's a, something that we actually adopted from the days of the Yellow Pages. And we want to be, we want to have a strong Internet presence. We have a great site. We have great functionality for our customers. They're able to do a great many things from our site. But what we also do is we try to segregate it so that we're targeting people that want to find us, people who are looking for our products at the proper volume. We don't want to be the top of every Google search because that can be overwhelming. 4,000 phone calls in a day for a small business and none of them generate business can be, be a problem. So we've really positioned ourselves with keywords that folks in an executive level, folks that are in the chief marketing officer role or a division marketing manager for a brand, when they're really looking for something on the Internet, they're going to be more like a sniper. They're going to pick out keywords that 
work for them. Do you spend a lot of money every month with Google? We don't. We really don't. You know, a lot's a relative term, but I would say expenditure wise, would be a lot. Yeah, we spend way less than that. We spend a very modest sum. I, I don't know the dollar amount off the top of my head, but it's it's about target. It's about putting the, our name and our products in front of the people that are really looking for a solution, not just looking for what appears to be the lowest price or I can get it in a day.com because those type of uh, inquiries don't necessarily lead to the kind of business that's ongoing, that's profitable, that's growable. A lot of times the top word getters, the top hitters are doing hundreds of thousands of orders with one, you know, hundreds of thousands of orders one time with one client. You know, they, they use them one time. That's it. You buy something, you'll never see them again. We want relationships. We want to start with one item with a client, show them what else we can do, and develop them into an account, an account that provides revenue on a weekly or monthly basis. And that's why we're we're reserved in how much we do out there. We don't want to just blanket the Internet with everything. We want to really continue a precision approach to collecting clients from, from that source. When you say there's uh, one or two areas that your company really excels in and that you'd like to develop most of your business in these areas? I don't think I could cut it down to one or two, Mike. I think the fact that we cover so many different things, you know, if you're a mid mid small to mid size uh landscaping company, you've got seventy or eighty different uh vehicles on the road. We're going to provide for you a service that's uh helping with your fleet management, keeping your graphics up to date, your DOT numbers up to date, keeping everything looking good. But that is not at all what somebody who works in the telecommunication industry has 17 retail stores and needs to make sure that the graphics get changed out on a monthly basis, that the people come in at the right time, that they don't disrupt the customers in the store. So we're growing in so many different markets that are not uh, the same. We do. We do. Really? Yes. Yes. We have a, I call it the roving patrol, the graphic squad, not the geek squad. Uh, and, and really it gives our folks an, a tremendous opportunity because a lot of times they're involved in the production of the graphics. And for many years we, we boxed and shipped and let other folks take care of it. And as the economy changed, big corporations could no longer sustain some of the retail people that they did. And they needed to outsource some of their installation and facility management to their graphic provider. We were positioned well to assist with a few local organizations that made those changes, and it's really, really been a, an eye-opening experience for, for myself as a business owner and for our team members because now they're interacting with their product where the consumer sees it. So that uh, kind of reminds me of a fabulous story. We, In our early years, we had done a lot of work as a wholesale company, and I was taking one of our new hires on his first uh, out-of-state trip on a trade show. We pull up to the hotel. I said, hey, I'm going to run inside. You wait here at the valet stand real quick. I'm in there waiting. The line's a mile long. I'm looking at this product displayed in this fabulous hotel lobby, and I'm thinking, wow, that's beautiful work. That's just beautiful. I, which my wife scolds me for frequently, go over to investigate the product by laying hands upon it, communicating with it at a, a chemical level. And uh, I went, holy moly, we made this. this we made this. 
I could barely contain myself, ran out to the car and said, you're never going to believe this. He goes, what do you mean I'm never going to believe it? What do you think we do all day long? We make signs like this. Here I am listening to the new kid. I'm taking on the sales trip going, oh, he's going to tell me, huh? But it was it was one of those moments in life where, you know, we're hundreds of miles from home. Didn't even recognize our own work, but it was sure enough. And it was uh, it was a fabulous experience for both of us. And I think I probably took more away from it than he did, but I, I still look on that with such a fond memory because it was it was just a fabulous experience. Now, it's kind of a transition here. We don't have much time left. Talk briefly about you and electric trucks. Uh, do you use these electric trucks for the local uh, Cincinnati market installations? Installations, deliveries. Within our green practice, um, we decided that one of the ways we could save some money was to transport things less expensively, and uh, myself and a couple of partners decided, well, we, we went on a quest to get an electric vehicle. Long story short, they're very, very hard to come by, and they're very, very expensive. So once I felt that I'd reached an impasse, I decided, well, if we can fly a, an electric vehicle to the moon and folks can travel around on it, I can make an electric vehicle that'll travel around Cincinnati. I uh, found two of the smarter people that I know, said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build some electric vehicles here in town. What do you think? So I think you've lost it. I said, oh, that's great, but let's do it anyway. We built uh, we built three vehicles. We built our company's pure electric truck. We built a plug-in hybrid for our delivery van, and we're currently building a uh, race platform for uh, for sale. And we have a we have a client who is considering uh, the purchase and building of a bus, an electric bus to travel around the downtown Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. Uh, take folks that are going from uh, beverage establishments to major sports parks and travel around and use uh, a chassis that's past its prime in terms of an internal combustion engine but is ripe for uh, an electric transformation. And it's just been fabulous for us. It gives us great notoriety, and we don't uh, we don't buy gasoline when we're making those deliveries. That's a good idea. And no diesel fuel either. That's right. So I was a little curious. You said a race platform is many many folks or may know or may not electric is an absolute fabulous way to move fast especially right off the line and we are working on a vehicle to uh, be able to compete in the short run with uh, some of the finer sports cars in the world and uh, our, our goal is to debut that uh, at some street legal racing event and show what the real power of electricity can do kind of put it up against the Tesla no, I, I would I would put anything I build up against anybody because even if I lose, I'm losing to some great great uh, competition. So, when you, is, you, that, is that going to be? Written? We we don't have an exact date yet. Keeping that a little close to the vest, but it's. I walk by it regularly, and I notice the improvements. We're making progress. There's some high voltage challenges. We're working on some batteries. We've used some lithium batteries, some lead acid batteries, and uh, we're really just wanting to make sure that a it's fun, b it's safe, and c it wins. Well, there are a couple of Sports Car Club of America events I can put you in touch with. They're racing at uh, Wilmington Airport and uh, Turfway Park. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Spring and summer. Outstanding. We put uh, some of the guys at the Mercedes-Benz Club in, in touch with them. Too. A, a fun group. In the, uh, the closing moments, Brian, uh, why don't you tell people again how to get in touch with you? Decalimpressions.com, uh, D-E-C-A-L, Impressions.com. Dot com and uh, that's we also have an 800 number 800-747-0936 we look forward to hearing from you 
Hope uh, we can help you with some signage needs. Brian, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us. If you have questions for Brian, pick up the phone and give him a call or send, send him an email. If you want to talk to me, Mike Roth at Sandler Training, Mike Roth and Associates. I am Cincinnati's uh, most experienced Sandler trainer. We specialize in three things, Brian. Sales training for salespeople, sales management training, and people who need to do cold calls. We have a phenomenal program for cold calling. So I invite you to uh, spend some time with us uh, next week, listen to some of the shows out of the archive. And next uh, Thursday, we'll be on at 4 o'clock again, and next Friday, we'll be on at 4 o'clock. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Mike, for having us. My pleasure. Scott, take it away. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.